Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work For Him Zone. I hope you're never the same. In our never-ending I Work For Him desire to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways that will challenge the way you think about your faith and work, today we're talking about the ministry of 210 Magazine. And we have in our studio, live at the round table, Richard Hayes and John Faulkner, founder of the 210 Magazine, joining us for a discussion. But before we bring them on, a verse of scripture. In fact, Ephesians 2.10, which is what their magazine was founded on. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork, his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared us in advance for us to do. We are his workmanship, created for good works in Christ. Welcome to the I Work Ram Show, John Faulkner and Rich Hayes. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. We're just so glad to have you guys here. I, you know, if not for the email blunders, we probably had had you here six or eight months ago. But I'm so thrilled to have you guys here because the magazine that you guys have put together over the last couple of years has made such an impact. First of all, for me, it's given me fantastic ideas for shows and grabbing local hosts, our local guests, because of, of how you guys have approached it. But the 210 Magazine is making an impact all over the country, and I wanted people here in Tampa Bay to know what a fantastic resource we have 
coming right out of Newport Ritchie. I mean, it's unbelievable. But before we get to that, I want first my listeners to know how real you guys are, and I want you to tell them how was Jesus Christ making an impact in your life today? Rich? Well, I think in several areas. One is uh, 14 years ago led me to start a ministry business called Digital Light Bridge, uh, which is a marketing company. And uh, from the beginning, it was to uh, to be a light, uh, to be a light from the unsaved world to the saved world using uh, digital technology and marketing. Um, so that's one way that, that God's working in and through my life on a daily basis. Um, but as important, my uh, my wife and I, my family and I are foster parents. Mm. So we um, are involved in that work um, on, a, on a daily basis uh, for over the past six years. So that's really a big part of our heartbeat. And that stretched you. I am sure that stretched you. How many kids have you fostered so far through your, through your household? Uh, my wife has, my wife and I have fostered 45 kids. Wow. Now, have you adopted any of the kids that have gone through? Or are they all, you're just all preparing them for the next family? We did. We adopted our first uh, foster child, uh, who's now eight years old. Oh, man, that's awesome. 45 kids in six years? Yeah. Wow. What a ministry. Th- that is fantastic. All right, John, how is Jesus Christ making an impact on your life today? Well, after uh, 30 years, I, um, I sold the landscape construction company. I'm a landscape contractor by trade. Uh, Cornerstone Solutions Group was my company. Uh, 350 employees. I sold that two years ago. And um, so I've been traveling around the country and uh, sharing 210. I'm a serial entrepreneur. So anytime that I have a chance to talk to people about business, and about running a business for Christ, I, I that just gets me excited. And so I've, uh, those opportunities are coming fast and furious with the magazine, and it's uh, right where I want to be. Well, and we were talking before the, right before the show was starting about you know these guys that start a business and they think they got to be a Christian in business, and they think that's their platform. When really you approach it a different way. It wasn't. Sure. It wasn't. That wasn't your platform. You started with the platform of what? Well. Uh, I started with a platform of being being really good at what I did. Excellent. And I thought that once I once I I felt like we had the best business in town, and uh, then that would give us the opportunity to speak into other people's lives. So I think we've always tried to 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 approach it from a lot more practical standpoint, of uh, kind of that three legged stool type situation where, you know, you, you have to be good at what you do. What you do has to be sustainable. And then you can do ministry through that, but uh, you can you can really get reckless and out of control if you get those things uh, w- one without the other. Mm, that's powerful. One of the things you said I want to make sure I repeat is that you said the Christian culture that you that permeated your organization was your best offensive in business. Oh yes, sure. But what do you mean by that? Well, when I woke up in the morning, I couldn't har- I couldn't hardly wait to get out there and uh, turn my my culture loose on the competition because we believed in doing excellent jobs but we also believed in providing a value to our customers and great customer service and i knew that 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 was because of my christian background what i believed in and what i passed on to our people and i knew that that was going to be very very hard to beat for anybody and you know being an, an entrepreneur i i want the best possible position that i could have would be to uh uh, unleash that Christian culture on the world. Hmm, that's fantastic. Now, Rich, when I was asking you some of the same questions, you said one of the things that, that really spoke to your heart was 1 Corinthians seven twenty two. Yeah, and uh, part of that says, um, remain in the life situation in which you were called. 
So a lot of times uh, when John and I are interviewing people, talking to people out there, um, they seem to have the idea that when they retire or when they get to a certain financial position, that's when they're going to really start full-time ministry. And we believe uh, by reading God's Word that we're to minister right where we are, uh, whether we're um, you know, a janitor in a, in a warehouse, we're um, you know, a salesperson, we're an executive with a corporation, that's probably exactly where God wants us to be, and we're to do ministry right there with that sphere of influence. Yeah, it's so powerful. So where did the idea come up from for this 210 magazine? Where did it come from? Who started it? Whose idea was it at first? Well, I, um, I was writing articles for a local magazine, okay. uh, Christian business articles. And one night I was writing an article on Ephesians 210. And, uh, and I, as I was writing the article, I thought, man, I could take this thing in a million different directions. I could fill up a whole magazine with articles about Ephesians 210. And it was about 10 o'clock at night, which is about two hours past my bedtime. <laughs> well, because you're a landscaper, because landscapers yeah. get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And so uh, I just shot Rich a real quick email, and I said, hey, what would you think about a national Christian leadership magazine based on Ephesians 2.10? And you could call it 2.10. And the next day, um, Rich sent me a, a copy of what the, co- what the cover should look like. And, he's, and it had a picture of Tony Dungy on there. And had uh, it was laid out really neat, and it, and he said, you know, if you were going to do something like this, it should be oversized and of high quality. If you're going to do a magazine today, uh, with all the digital stuff out there, your magazine better be super super high quality to to get away with something. So we took that um, that cover, and we we uh, shopped it around the country, asked a lot of people what they thought about the magazine, and after a year of showing it to. Uh, thousands of people we uh, we actually showed it to tony dungy <laughs> he had no idea we were we were actually selling him there but um he uh he graciously did an interview for us and uh and you know the first magazine we thought uh the the um reaction from people was that was just really nice but can you do it again and uh then we put one out there i think the next one had tim tebow on the cover and uh, people said, well, that's, that's better than the first one. And it seems like progressively we've gotten better and better every time. Yeah, and you've done it again and again and again. You're doing it quarterly? Are they quarterly releases or every other month? Uh, they're quarterly uh, publications, and we're working on the 10th issue right now. Wow, fantastic. Because I remember when that first issue came out, I'm thinking, this has got a lot of good stuff in it. I mean, it's got a lot of good stuff. But, so you guys knew each other beforehand, though. Because oh, sure. you, you said you're sending an email at 10 o'clock at night. Only friends get to send friends emails at 10 o'clock at night with a really good idea. Sure. So how did you guys know each other before that? Well, we were both in, a, in the same roundtable uh, group, a C12 group. Uh, not the same group, but in the same uh, organization. And... Uh, you know, in in my business, I had I had over a hundred trucks on the road before I put the name on the on the side of one of them. Uh, just I've, wow. I've, been, I've been kind of a. Is that because you were scared because of the way you guys drove, or because you didn't know that that was a fantastic <laughs> way to advertise? Well, um, we always had more work than we could do, and mm. I always felt like, uh, you know, I'm just I just did never wanted to be showy about anything. Mm. Okay. And so, but the thirty year olds in business kept calling me a dinosaur and talking to me about all the work we could be doing if we had names on the sides of our trucks. And so finally, I relented and said, "Okay, I'll let you talk to a marketing company to come up with a logo and and all this stuff. But I'd like you to check out this guy. I've heard a lot of a lot of great things about him. And you know, we we had met a few times personally. And um, so uh, about a week later, 
they say, hey, we're uh, Digital Lightbridge is going to do a presentation for the business, and they they came in with these uh, big pictures of what the trucks were going to look like, and it just blew me away. I I thought, uh, man, that is that is pretty slick. And so um, ever since then, Rich has done the marketing for all of my uh, business ventures for Cornerstone and and a, and a few others, and. Um, we just had that that kind of friendship. We've we've been able to travel around and, and on this journey of the magazine together has been has been great. It's been a been a blast. So, Digital Lightbridge, Rich, how many years ago did you launch that? Uh, at the beginning of two thousand and one. So just so over it's already thirty. Yeah, oh, yeah, fourteen. I can't believe it's two thousand fifteen. Okay, so fourteen years ago, was it always out of Newport Ritchie, or did you just move north because you couldn't stand the traffic down here? Uh, we were originally in downtown Tampa, and uh, we. Uh, ran the business out of downtown Tampa for about six years. And um, one day my wife and I were at dinner and she says, uh, honey, why, why is the business in Tampa? And I said, well, it's for our customers. And she says, uh, but you always go and see them. You know, they, they rarely come to the office. We had this really nice uh, office location in Tampa. And uh, so she says, so why is the business in Tampa? I said, well, <laughs> it's for our employees. And she says, but nobody lives in downtown. They live in you know, Plant City and Newport Ritchie and Clearwater. And I said, what are you getting at? She goes, why don't you move the business closer to the home? At least you'll be... But you already lived up north. I lived in Newport Ritchie. Yeah. All right. So I was, I was commuting in. So your wife was just speaking wisdom into you, and she, it just took a while to get through the thick skull then? Only six years. Six years. <laughs> and so I then uh, asked her to find a location, and I gave her a real specific list and, and really thought it would be hard for her to find that uh, requirement. And she found four of them. And uh, from the day we found that office, 30 days later, we moved in, and it's, it's been a great uh, situation since then. So talk to me about the purpose of 210 Magazine. Rich, you start off. What, what, the purpose behind, as you guys formulated this idea over the period of a year, selling Tony Junji's face on the magazine, but tell me, talk to me about the purpose. What is the overall purpose behind it? Uh, <clears throat> the overall purpose is to... Uh, speak to other business leaders, other business owners, uh, employees in companies, and encouraging them to get involved exactly where they are. So to look at their workplace as a place to do ministry. Um, so in a, in a nutshell, that's really the, the big idea. And so we do that by telling stories, by telling uh, you know what Christians would call testimonies, of others that are out there. Um, it's often uh, well-known people, um, but we've also had plenty of stories of uh, entrepreneurs and business leaders that no one's ever heard of before. Mm. And John, when you look at it, because you look at life very differently than Rich, he's a, he's a marketing guy, he's artistic, you, you've you been running a landscaping business, you've had 350 employees at one point in time, you look at life differently, I'm sure your filter's differently, which is why you guys make such a great team. What did you see as the purpose behind it? Um, you know, as a, as a landscape contractor, I, you're, you're right. It is it's very different. I do my best work with a shovel, and so he. Uh, uh, I guess I, I I looked at it and I thought about my own business, and I thought about that thirty uh, year old woman of of two, who's works in my nursery all day long, pulling weeds and and potting up plants and doing everything, and the magazine to me was always about her. Because if I could if I could encourage business owners to have, have a Christian culture in their business, that person there would be the one that benefited. So a lot mm. of people have looked at it and they've they've looked at it and said, "Whoa, this is it's for Christian business owners." Well, it is. It's 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 directed at them, 
but ultimately it's for those people that work for for them and for the people that would be the recipients of the the good things that uh, that can come out of a business if they're run, if it's run the right way. Mm, that's powerful, so. powerful. And so when we get to tell stories about companies that are doing um, marketplace ministry really well, and they give examples of incredible ways that they're serving their employees, their ways that they're serving their customers and their vendors, um, that encourages other people to come up with really innovative ways uh, of doing that that uh, ultimately glorify God. Mm. It's it's a fantastic magazine, and the way you're approached, and, and that's what I loved about both of it, is that you're both, you have different ideas, but John, you're seeing the big picture. If we can raise up Christian leaders who will live in excellence and create a Christian culture, which is really just bringing the body of Christ into the workplace, the workers will benefit all the way down to the janitor, from the executive to the janitor and everybody in between, and all of a sudden we become a church in our office, not a church where you're singing, shouting, dancing, and singing praise music, just a church and how you take care of people. I mean, that's it's a fantastic story. When we come back, I want more details on exactly, it, it, well, if you've had any doubts, any fears as you went through this process. It's time for our book highlight segment, brought to you as always by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. Rich A's and John Faulkner have come out with a magazine called 210. That's what we're talking about, 210 Magazine. And they have brought into the studio today all two complete sets of the first nine copies of this magazine. They are so full of fantastic information. We're going to give away two complete sets of all the magazines they've ever produced. Covers with Billy Graham on them. Covers with, well, you know, Willie Robertson on them. I mean, just all kinds of great covers. Call into the studio line and I'll send you a complete set of the first nine magazines. 855-265-2929-855-265-2929. And remember... You gotta read these magazines. Don't wait for the movie. enough reading in these nine magazines you'll be busy till summertime that's for sure all right gentlemen john and rich did you ever have any fears as you started to look at the, any doubts that you should be doing a national magazine any fears about doing this i mean that was not your ballywig john and rich that's not something you'd ever done before were you fearful at all um i don't, I don't think we were fearful um we we did it sort of as a i think a little bit of a dare to each other <laughs> Uh, okay. Some people might call it encouragement, but uh, so we, we kind of stepped out that way. Uh, but thankfully, we got a lot of great feedback on that first issue, even more feedback on the second, third, all the way along. But actually, toward the end of last year, um, after we had produced what we call these nine volumes, um, we were looking at the finances, the financial investment that we had put into uh, producing uh, 210 Magazine, which largely came from uh, John and Julie. And we said, you know, should we really continue with this? And we really questioned that uh, to the point where we had actually made the decision to cease publishing uh, the magazine. Well, literally on the day that we were about to announce that, uh, we got a call from a group in Indiana. And they said, we heard that you guys are considering shutting this down. We said, no, we actually have made that decision. They said, you can't. We said, well, we have. And they said, no, you can't. And we said, why? And they said, because we run our business by 210, 210 principles. And, and John and I were sort of blown away with that. And so we met with them, and they re-encouraged us and reinvigorated us to uh, move forward with uh, a, an entire year that we're looking at publishing again. 
That's fantastic. Now, you guys are raising funds. I mean, in a typical magazine fashion, through advertisements on there, but yet you're probably pretty particular on the people that you let advertise. And I mean, are you raising money that way, too? Do the advertisements help pay for some of it? Sure. The the magazine is is paid for with with advertising and subscriptions. Okay. So... um, you know, it's it's only full page ads because you're tr- we're trying to produce this great quality magazine that uh, it's kind of the hallmark of a of a big quality magazine would be uh, one page ads. Tell me your favorite feature in the magazine each and every quarter as it gets released. What's your favorite feature? Uh, usually the, uh, the the feature on the cover. Okay. Um, but I think overall it's probably been Alan Barnhart's uh, the the feature that we did on Alan. How many was that last year? That was last year. That, that was in the actual with Gary Lavox on the cover, and it was inside of that issue. Okay, tell me about that story. Well, Alan uh, was from Memphis, Tennessee, and uh, early in his career, was he as he got out of uh, school, he uh, wanted to be a missionary. His parents had a crane company that had about ten employees, and they asked him if he wanted to. to uh, they wanted to travel around the world, and they said, would you, would you and your brother like this business? If not, we're going to sell it. And he wanted to be a missionary, but he thought to himself, you know, I'm an engineer. Uh, maybe we give this business a go. But being an engineer, he had uh, logged a whole bunch of stories about uh, or a bunch of verses about how money can uh, negatively influence you in the Bible. And uh, so he made a commitment to never take more than a middle-class salary. So uh, the the business grew exponentially, and he has um, it's become a half a billion dollar a year company. He's never had more than a middle class salary, and he gives over a million dollars a month to charity. Uh, he does that quietly and uh, very you know unassumingly. He does that. I uh, in the interview I wrote from Tampa to uh, Orlando with him. And we talked about it, and something that he told me was, he said, John, I've, I've realized that I, I no longer steward just the business, but I'm stewarding a story. And uh, I thought that was, that was really interesting to me, that he, um, he thinks about the story and how that can impact others. So where he wasn't telling that story before, he's realized that there's power in story, which is... Uh, what the magazine is really, really about. Well, the stories build faith. And when you see somebody living their faith out loud, they can say, wow, if he can do it, I can do that too. And that's, I've, I've seen his testimony. And it was after you, Rich, had told me about that article. And then I read it. And then I watched a YouTube video of him sharing his testimony. I mean, it's powerful. And that's what it is. It's a story of how God worked in somebody's life, just like you guys have shared your stories. Those stories inspire other people to go, well, it, God doesn't show favorites, so if he'll do it for John Faulkner and Richard Hayes, then he'll do it for me. So if i got to have big faith, I, these guys can do it, then, I mean, how cool is that? And Alan Barnard says, well, I'm, not, I'm just going to cap my salary. Anything over that, I give it away. And, and, and like you said, he's got a half a billion dollar company, and he's taking a little salary. Com, you know, comparatively speaking, he makes less than the superintendent of our school districts, for sure. Probably does a lot better job, too. All right, we're not going there. Sorry. Sorry. Step back off the soapbox. Okay, Rich, what is your favorite feature on a quarterly basis as you guys produce this magazine? What's your favorite feature? Uh, well, it's always telling that um, untold story or part of an untold story. Um, so it's not necessarily a specific feature. And uh, as we were talking earlier, I had the opportunity to interview uh, Dr. Ben Carson um, for the, the magazine. And one of the things that he shared um, during that interview, I asked him, I said, do you have a personal quiet time? And he said, well, what do you mean by that? I said, well, do you, 
you know, do you daily read the Bible? Do you have a specific time when you pray? And he said, absolutely, I do. I says, well, what is that like for you? You know, as a, as a uh, literally a brain surgeon and a person who is a person of tremendous influence, I wanted to learn that. And he said, well, it's actually quite simple. He said, from the time I was a uh, a young boy, my mother encouraged me to read Proverbs. And so if it was the 11th day of the month, I would read Proverbs 11. And he says, I continue that to this day. He says, but what I've added to that when I got married, I do that with my wife. He said, so I have my, my personal daily quiet time with my wife, a time of prayer, time of reading the Bible. So that was really encouraging uh, to see someone with his uh, schedule. You know, we're all busy, but I don't think any of us is as busy as a, a brain surgeon. And he <laughs> or is, as smart as a brain surgeon. And so he, he makes that uh, daily priority to spend uh, time with the Lord, to hear from him. Uh, fresh from his word, and then to do the things that God's asked him to do for that day. And what's amazing, again, you got, you brought it up, John, this Ben Carson was not a guy asking for any notoriety, but he was a guy known for excellence. He was, his, his platform was excellent in brain surgery, which again, when you look at a glob of gelatin, I don't know, he may be an excellent in brain surgery, but okay, fantastic. And, and that's what gave him a platform. I mean, because because until you guys had him on the cover, I'd never really barely even heard of him. And now, of course, you hear his name because they're thinking, well, he would make a great presidential candidate. And I'm thinking, he's too smart. <laughs> <laughs> he's too smart to be a presidential candidate. It takes simple people like me to be a presidential candidate. <laughs> if you're really smart, you know better than to put your family through that kind of thing. So every month, though, or every quarter, you have lots of features. You've got your feature story. So whatever your cover story is. But you also have a piece in there by Dave Ramsey and then Chris Hogan, who's also part of the Dave Ramsey organization. So Dave Ramsey on business, which he's always got some interesting stuff. And Chris Hogan on leadership. And then you got women in leadership. You got some great topics in there on women in leadership. So what, what, where did you, de- how did you decide what features to put in the magazine on a quarterly basis? Because you've got a lot of really good stuff in there. Uh, well, I, we, we sat down um, in the conference room and, and whiteboarded, uh, you know, John's question was, what would excellence look like? You know, just absolute excellence. What would that look like? And so we just thought big and wrote down, uh, what if we could connect with uh, Henry Blackaby? What if we could connect with Dave Ramsey? What if we could connect with, you know, some of these just incredible uh, thought leaders on the subject of marketplace ministry? And then we just started reaching out to them. Uh, John's uh, wonderful wife, Julie, uh, does a great job establishing those relationships um, one-on-one uh, through uh, uh, LinkedIn and, and email communications and sort of set up John and I to go and connect with these people all over the country. Wow, it's nice to have a powerful wife. Sure, sure. <laughs> How many years have you been married? We, uh, I've been married 32 years. But that's awesome. We we learned real quick not to pay her by the word. Cause, <laughs> cause, uh, that's what... That's, uh, that's what that's what she does well is the gift of gab, and she can talk anybody into doing an article for us. So nice, pretty good. Is she listening today? Uh, she probably is. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a good thing you have a long drive before you get a home. Long drive for her to cool off. That's right. That's really good. Hey, we still got one more set of this copies of nine volumes of the Two Ten Magazine since it's been released. Call into the studio line now eight five five two six five twenty nine twenty nine eight fifty five two sixty five twenty nine twenty nine. Call right now. This is a magazine full of fantastic information for you, that Christian business leader, on how to lead your organization and have the Christ influence your entire organization, and then touch people. You're going to lead people.
people. Just as John said, listen, it was to create that Christian culture, it was your most powerful offensive that you could have in your organization. So call now, get a copy of these, 855-265-2929. All right, talk to me about, you have a section in there called 210 Tech. Every, every, and really, I know you're the, the tech guy, Rich. I mean, that's that's a piece that I imagine that you, is it you that puts that behind it? You got people that work for you that love the tech side. Uh, well, it's really both. We have uh, some great uh, contributors to that section. Uh, that, again, is uh, sort of John's vision of putting uh, practical tips, best practices um, into people's hands. Often, uh, Christians will get um, accused of being a little bit behind the technology curve, so this was an effort to uh, mitigate that, and we've got a lot of great feedback uh, from those articles and stories. So, John, is the article in the next quarterly magazine get released? Your, your tenth volume is it going to be on the iWatch? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I think just just kind of adding to what Rich said was the one word. That He's not biting on that. I trying to get it. But do you not know what the iWatch yeah, is? I, I've heard oh, that. I heard it's not going so well. I want to see it on your wrist. That's what I want to see it. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I just I just figured. I just figured that was. You only have to shake my hand once to realize I'm not a tech guy. (laughs) I kind of figured that. It's okay. Hey, Andrea, we'll go ahead and take care of that second caller if you want to. Go ahead and do that. All right. So, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Okay. So, the tech side, you're not going to get an iWatch. I interrupted you. I apologize. You probably screwed up. But the the one, as we were whiteboarding this magazine and and thinking, I think the one word that came up the the most often was useful. We wanted it to be useful, Mm. practical. That's that's fantastic. What do you think's been the most practical thing you've ever put in the magazine, whether it's in your tech section or somewhere else? What's the most practical thing you ever put in there? Well, you know, uh, I went out to Oklahoma to interview David Green. Okay, and uh, not everybody knows David Green. Tell them what company he's uh, from. From Hobby Lobby. Hobby Lobby. Uh, sure, just a a great guy who has quietly built a, a four billion dollar a year business. And uh, in the tour of of Hobby Lobby, which uh, you could, it's a huge warehouse, and you can look one way and see a hallway that looks like it's a quarter of a mile long, and then look the other way, and the, the hallway goes this way a quarter of a mile as well. And David said, I want to show you my uh, my desk. And so I'm thinking this is going to be some big, fantastic desk or whatever. So we go through a maze, and we work our way back to the um, to his office, which was a very unassuming uh, office. It was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, just there was not a lot of fanfare on the walls or anything. And there was this gigantic wooden desk there. And I thought, okay, what's the what's the story here? And he said, do you know why I like this desk? And I said, why is that? And he said, because it's big enough that I can get under it and pray. And he said, I've had to do that over the years many times. And I thought to myself, you know, here's a billionaire. And here's a guy that just absolutely understands business uh, better than than anybody around, and uh, he he had no problem at all telling me that he gets under that thing and prays. And I said, you know, most most guys in your your situation probably wouldn't admit that. And he said, John, I I have a big problem with pride. And he said, uh, I, I I have to admit things like that. That's what I do. Mm. Rich, I know you had an opportunity to go to Wisconsin Cheeseheadland one time and interview a guy out there. Tell me, and it was fascinating what you told me. An unassuming guy. Tell me about that interview. Yeah, it was uh, fantastic. It was an organization called Matthews, which is a, a parent company with several companies underneath it. And they're the world's largest uh, manufacturer of bows, like bow and arrows, crossbows, and a lot of technology that goes into uh arms like that 
And uh, Matt McPherson is the owner, um, another great, incredible leader. Uh, one of the neat things that we learned um, on the four days that I spent out there uh, touring all of their different facilities, they also produce one of the world's best acoustic guitars. So they've taken they make bows and arrows and acoustic guitars. Acoustic guitars. And uh, they also make uh, technology for uh, the United States military. And uh, one, of the, one of the neatest things in uh, uh, the tour of Matthews is they have their uh, workstation set up. And they had explained that they had just remodeled their entire operational facility. But above each person's workstation was the design for the next version. So they had just completed the best that they could think of, but they were already thinking about what's the next version. And so that that striving for excellence um, is part of the DNA of of John and I and part of the DNA of uh, 210 Magazine to encourage business owners and leaders to to make excellence their platform. Mm. All right, when we come back, I I really want to dig deep in a couple more of the features because you've you've got so much powerful stuff in there. But... Let's just ask this question. As we go to a break, we got about a minute and a half. Talk to me about what's a new feature that maybe you have. Hey, we're thinking about adding this coming up, volume 10, volume 11. What's something new that you got coming up? Uh, well, on the cover, the, the one that comes out in April, Ben Watson, the tight end for the New Orleans Saints, is on the cover. Uh, ben was uh, came to came to fame a few months ago during the Ferguson riots when he wrote a a Facebook post that went viral about those. When uh, in the Facebook post, he wrote that this is not a skin problem, it's a sin problem, and the world needs the gospel. And since then, we've uh, we've really found out a lot about Ben and his walk and and, uh, leadership on a football team, which can transfer right over to leadership in a business. That's how we we interviewed him as if uh, he was a, a business guy. That's how it worked. Well, and, and really, football's big business. Big, oh, yeah. big stinking business. All right, Rich, what about you? What, what Got anything Got anything uh, that people can look forward to? I mean, not, not just articles, but features, things that you're going to change, tweak. What do you got coming up? Yeah, well, with uh, Issue 10, we're also launching uh, a new website. And so we, uh, from the beginning, have had a full uh, digital product for the print magazine. But we also are launching a new functionality. So it's an iPad version and uh, down the road, we'll be building an app as well. So that new website, you're going to launch it right at the same time you're releasing the, the next volume? Correct. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. We're talking with these guys about this magazine. This is a magazine. Well, why don't you summarize it for me? Richard, John, don't fight over it. Summarize what the ma- the purpose of the magazine again. They both pointed at each other. This is great. This is radio, guys. Nobody can see that. John, purpose? Uh, to encourage uh, business owners and leaders by using Christian principles to... Uh, run their businesses, and do great things with the resources of those businesses. Rich? Well, one of the things that we put at the top of every issue of the magazine is purpose, perspective, and perseverance. And so it's finding what is your purpose, what is the purpose that God created you for, um, how can you have a perspective on the thing that God has called you to do, whether that's fix cars, build houses, um, serve someone in a restaurant, and perseverance, how can you do that over a long period of time where you do it so well that people want to learn about the Lord that you have? 
Well, and what's fantastic about this magazine is it is done well. It is a fine piece of publication. Every page is loaded, chock full of information. The organizations that advertise in your magazine are powerful organizations that are really making an impact on the kingdom. They're really discipling people. I mean, there's some really, really good stuff. Every issue is a, I can't put it down until I've read from page to, or from the front to the back. I mean, that's what's really cool about it. But you guys didn't set out to be famous by this, but yet you have been networking with some of the most powerful people in the world. I mean, who got to sit down with Billy Graham? Which one of you got to do that one? Uh, actually, I didn't. It, w- it was a big thrill. I was able to lead him to the Lord during the interview. Billy Graham? Yeah. <laughs> so who actually got now we know wow so john's got that dry humor side we haven't seen before on the show so did you actually get to do the interview no okay uh, that was one of the interviews that we had to go through his handlers and okay. submit questions all right so you didn't get to sit down mr with graham doesn't do interviews anymore well but that was a couple of years ago i thought maybe he was sure. still doing interviews all right so face to face you did ben carson that was your face to face most powerful when you said your fame your your Favorite face-to-face cover uh, article? David Green. David Green. All right, that's just unbelievable. Those, so, really, Ben Carson could be, he could be the next president of the United States. I'd vote for him. I don't think we could convince him to do it. He's too smart. David Green, founder, well, not founder, he was, he's running uh, Hobby Lobby. His dad founded it, right? He's the son, right? He's, no, or is he David the dad? He's, he founded What's his son's name? This Steve Green. Steve Green. Okay. I, I, all right. So, talk to me. You get a lot of chances, John, to speak. You get a lot of opportunities sure. to get out there and speak to open crowds. Now, I was going to say, you guys, I'm going to go back. I'm going to step back for a second. You guys have said this magazine's not political. It's not heavily on doctrine. You don't want, you're not trying to drown people in doctrine. Very purposefully, not political, not heavy on doctrine. But, John, you said it was useful. Useful. And it was kind of like teaching and Christian, Christian citizenship. Which means what? Uh, what do you do with your resources? How do you represent Christ in the world? through your business Mm. christian citizenship powerful so you get a chance to speak quite often in front of crowds what do you like to speak about rich said you're fantastic at painting word pictures paint a word picture as we end the show well somebody asked me uh in an event we you get asked a lot of questions um somebody asked me in kansas city uh if if you were going to um have a christian brand of businesses and people knew biz christian businesses by one thing what would that one thing be? And they had asked a lot of people actually in the in the audience, and and you know there was a lot of the church answers that you know people would come to know Christ through your business, and you would give a lot of money to missionaries, and you would do a lot of things. And I said that if I think that if there was one one unifying theme that that all Christian businesses should have, it would be wrapped around the word opportunity. Would you be able to give opportunity to everybody that you meet? Uh, in the landscape uh, business, I had 350 employees. I always wanted to make sure there was opportunity for people in every position to advance that position, opportunities to make a good income to feed their family better. I wanted to make sure that my uh, customers had an opportunity to use us and, and to sell more houses because we were landscaping them. Mm-hmm. And I think that opportunity just um, that if we're constantly thinking about is what I are the things that I'm doing today? Are they going to help somebody in in their situation? And I think that 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 word probably um, is is the one thing that I've, I've kind of strived for, just in, in a single word. And that's really what Jesus summarized in the sermon, not in the sermon on the mount, but in the Great Commission: opportunity. I'm giving you opportunity. Go change the world. I've lived life with you for three and a half years. You've seen it. You know I'm real. Go change the world. 
there's unlimited opportunity for making an impact on your world. And those guys were all business people. Okay, there was a tax collector, so he worked for the IRS. But the rest <laughs> of them were business people. All right, we've come to the end of another I Work For Him show, but it's been a great conversation. Hey, I'm looking for a 1,000 people to join the I Work For Him nation. These are a 1,000 people that are looking to pray with the people in their office, looking for an opportunity to serve the people that they work with, looking for an opportunity to reach out to those people outside of the workplace and minister to them and be Jesus to them, not necessarily with words, but with action, touching the lives of the people that you work with. But I'm looking for those thousand people that will stand up and be the very best in their position each and every day. As John has said so well today, excellence draws attention to our Heavenly Father. I'm looking for a thousand people to contact me on the I Work For Him website. Contact us or sign up for our our newsletter or our podcast. But let me know, Jim, I want to be part of the I Work For Him Nation. And I'll even mention you here on the show. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.